Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Now we're studying the subject of redemption, if you will. 1 Corinthians 10. I don't have it marked here. Now, we're still in the Old Covenant. We're going to work our way out of that. Try to make good headway in it uh, tonight. Now, we know from the Word of God, the Bible tells us that the Old Covenant is written for us. Now, let me say that again. You need to hear that. The Old Covenant is written for us. Everybody say for us. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, it's written, the Bible says, as an example or an ensample, which means it's given to us in such a way that it presents lessons and, 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 uh, and wisdom and all types of things about life. We don't go into the old covenant for doctrine. Now you say, why don't we do that? Because Jesus came and completed that covenant. That covenant has been completed. Amen. And now we're living in a new covenant and it is described in Hebrews chapter 7 as a better covenant based on better promises. Now think about that. A better covenant based on better promises. Now we see the, uh, the movement of, of, of God's word that began in Genesis 3.15 through the Old Testament, but the Old Covenant has not really come into being yet. We see the, the establishment of, of man upon the earth. Uh, crazy stuff went on on the earth in Genesis chapter 6. We've talked about that. Whoever it was that came down and cohabitated with women upon the earth created some kind of weirdo super race. Bible says this is which the legends of old come from. So I believe all the mytholo- uh, uh, mythological gods and things like that probably have their, their, their bases back in some type of legend or lore. Amen. Uh, but then God saw that there was tremendous wickedness upon the earth. And God sent a preacher of righteousness. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And the Bible says that God, God himself, was down there uh, proclaiming that this was going to happen. This judgment was going to come upon the earth. And because there was nobody to stand between God and man, that judgment came. See, the law is what kept that judgment from coming on the earth. It would come upon Israel, but it wouldn't come upon the earth because they were outside of the law. But now, now here's man before the law, and man before the law, the Bible says, before the law, death still reigned. You say, well, I didn't know. I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to be doing that. doesn't matter. It's the law of sin and death that works in your members. You do, you do it naturally. That's why you must be born again so you'll have a new nature. Amen. So we see that the earth was destroyed by a flood. Uh, God uh, uh, saved humanity. In, in, in Noah, he found a, a righteous man, a man that would listen to him, a man that would serve him, a man that would obey him, amen? Then we know the next, what we would call the next a waypoint in our, in, our, in our trip down what I would call a redemption road would be Abraham, or this man Abram. Who's this guy Abram? He just shows up, Abram, from Ur of the Chaldees. Next thing you know, he's in communication with God. Wow. He's talking to God. God's talking to him. Next thing you know, they're fellowshipping together. Next thing you know, he's revealing to God his need and God is revealing his plan. Did you know that? Well, that's what happens in life. When you reveal your need, God will reveal a plan for your life. Hallelujah, because he loves to supply your needs so he gets the glory, amen? 
So we see this Abram goes through this incredible, this incredible grace journey of 25 years in order to get a promised son upon the earth in a redemptive covenant. The Bible called it the Abrahamic covenant. Amen. And thank God we're blessed in that covenant. That covenant was completed and given to us. Not completed and put away, but completed and given. Oh, I could preach on that for a few moments and you might get weird. So, you know, good weird. Amen. You say, what do you mean good weird? That's, we have that covenant today. It's still, still in operation. Thank you. You're so smart. But there are a lot of brown Bibles in there. So there's, there's three right here. You know? <laughs> Hey, you, you, you wouldn't have any other kind of pastor than that, would you? No, sir. Say, well, I couldn't find a Bible in my office. Well, if I'd go to that church, amen. <laughs> I found my Bible, glory to God. But anyway, where were we? We were talking about Abram or Abraham. Uh, he received Isaac. Isaac was born, and that began what I like to call a redemptive process, that in that process... We see the patriarchs and who the patriarchs are and the foundation of the nation of Israel established. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The three had supernatural events in their life. Uh, they kind of mirrored one another. But they were all uh, placed or, or they all took their place upon the earth and in the plan of God in a unique way. A very unique way. And in doing so, they continued the progression down that, that, that road of redemption and brought us to a place in which a nation was established. Now remember this. The stories in the Old Covenant uh, run the gamut. I don't know why people don't want to read the Bible. Because if you really read the Bible, it is a pretty crazy book. Because there is a lot of stuff going on in there. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on in there. And when you realize and recognize that these people that went through all of this were not some super beings or superly, you know, endowed people with great intelligence and spiritual power. They were common people just like we are. Just exactly like we are. I like what it says about Jesus. It says the common people received him gladly. That's us, amen? So here in, in Corinthians, let me find it here. I have it marked. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we read this last week. It said, Moreover, brethren, I, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all of our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea, and all were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all did eat of the same spiritual meat, all did drink of the same spiritual drink, and they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. You say, well, that sounds wild. You mean a rock followed a bunch of people and that rock was Christ? It's the Bible says. Yeah. You say, well, how do you know they, that that's what, that, that's what, they, what he did? Because they drank the water. <laughs> They're still a nation today. Amen. So we understand here is something we have to conclude by God's interaction in that covenant is God desires to be a supernatural God in our lives. Oh, I'm glad you're shouting now. Amen. God desires to be a supernatural God in your life. The problem is we have our idea of the supernatural formed by Hollywood and not by the Word of God. So, so when it doesn't happen by somebody wiggling their nose, you think it's not God. 
Amen. I remember when that show came. What was the name of it? Oh, my God. The church we went to, they thought that was the devil incarnate. So I didn't get to see Bewitched until I was 18 years old. Amen. Oh, well, I didn't miss much. Amen. But, you know, I saw a deal on that show that was amazing about all of the tragedy that happened to the people that were on the show. It's horrible. I was like, good Lord, no wonder. No, no, don't need to play, uh, be playing with the devil. Amen. It says, but many of them, God was, uh, God was not, uh, but with many of them, God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Uh, now these are things, now these things were, are, now notice examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Now you say, well, pastor, I'm born again. I don't lust after, but your flesh will. And your mind will. I mean, your flesh is a bag of evil bones, man. I guarantee you it wants to do all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, it wants to do all kinds of crazy things. It wants its appetites fulfilled to its satisfaction. We'll see that a little more as we study redemption. Neither be idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink, rose up to play. Neither let us... Commit fornication, as some of them did, fell, as there was, uh, fell in one day, uh, 20,000. Neither let us tempt Christ, as, as, uh, as, also, as they also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them. Now notice this. For in samples... And they are written for our admonition upon who the ends of the world are come. Now, I read that. I read this exact scripture last week, and I never saw. That's two words, examples and insamples. And this is the Bible. Amen? So I begin to think, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What are you saying? The Lord is showing us here. The word examples means to, you know what an example is. You, you, you get an, that's exactly what it, insamples is a unique term. It means to be stamped like you would stamp, like a, like a coin would be stamped by a metal press. And there would be an unremovable mark made upon that coin. So the Bible is saying you got to look into the old covenant and you've got to study and you've got to meditate upon it because that's given unto you to mark you and to put a stamp on you so that you'll understand that's not the way I'm supposed to behave. That's the example or the ensample of the old covenant in our life. It's not that it's not relevant. It's not relevant as doctrine because we can't take our doctrine from that covenant or else we better get into the sheep business. But thank God the, the, the Lamb of God was slain for us. Amen. Now, with that in mind, let's go back real quick. I've got it here. All right, back to, back to our, our, our redemptive road. Abraham, Isaac, And Jacob, and all the drama that goes on with them. God is a patient God. Amen. He's been patient with us. He was patient with them. Both with Abraham and Isaac, you have great character flaws. With, with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, how many know what the word Jacob means? 
<laughs> None of it's good. Amen. Jacob never gets a break, does he? <laughs> oh, my goodness. And then we know the, the story of, of, his, of his wonderful father-in-law. Laban, how I many know Laban? Amen. And how how he goes and works for he works for uh, uh, for Rachel for seven years and ends up with Leah. I got to be careful when I teach on this. Amen. I get myself in trouble. Somebody asked me, "Where's Miss Leah tonight?" I said, "She got indifferent, stayed home." <laughs> She's probably watching. I'll be in trouble when I get. Home. Amen. But that whole that whole that whole. That whole, that whole drama that took place of him serving seven years and, and then serving another seven years. And, but in that, God was working. God was bringing forth his plan and his purpose. And we see in this also, in this illustration or in this example, what we see is that if there's man's choice and there's God's choice. Man's choice with Jacob was Rachel. But God's choice was Leah because out of Leah came Judah and out of Judah came Jesus. So it doesn't matter if man does not choose you. What matters is God chooses you. So in this we have the beginning of a large family because Jacob in his endeavors in righteousness... <laughs> ended up with a bunch of sheep, a bunch of goats, a bunch of cattle, and he ended up with these two wives and their two handmaidens. And out of these two wives and two handmaidens comes the entire foundational structure of the nation of Israel. Yeah. They didn't know that at the time. Now, the patriarch Abraham may have known that. Isaac may have known that. But I imagine as this drama was being played out, they were just interested in surviving a growing family. And each and every one of their births and each and every one of their names have significance worth studying. You say, why don't we study it? Why don't we study it? Because we're not doing an Old Testament survey. We're studying redemption. So we're looking at redemptive significance. You say, well, what is, what is the redemptive significance? Well, there's something unique about God when it comes to the number of 12. The number 12 establishes order. God likes order. That's why there were 12 tribes in the nation. That's why there were 12 apostles of the Lamb. You say there were 12 apostles of the Lamb. There were 11 chosen. One of them decided to kill himself. And then they elected another one uh, in Acts chapter 1, and he became the 12th. You say, now what's the difference between an apostle of the Lamb and the other's apostles? The apostles of the Lamb hung out with Jesus. There's some 22 other apostles mentioned in the book of Acts. People say, well, you know, there was only 12 apostles. No, there wasn't. There was almost 40. And there's apostles today. Amen? Now, we won't get off on that. But anyway, in this, in this great drama, we see these different sons that are born. I, I listed them here. I, I used to have them memorized. Reuben and Simeon. This is in order. Reuben and Simeon, Levi and Judah. Uh, Gad, no, excuse me, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Iskar, Zebulun, and then out of Joseph, that was, a, that was out of a split. Now, here's this next name that comes up on the redemptive road, road and that is the word, or uh, that is the name Joseph. And if you've never done an in-depth study of the story of Joseph, you need to do it. Because it's another signpost on the road of redemption how that God is working in your life if you'll just serve God. One day you may be in a pit, the next day you may be in the prison, but the next day you may be in the palace in charge of everything. 
if you will stay faithful to God and faithful to the convictions in your heart and that beautiful unveiling of himself to his brothers. Every time I read that, I weep because that's a sign of what Jesus will do when he comes back to the earth and unveils himself to Israel. Amen. And then the redemptive picture of God sending him ahead and provision was made as Jesus was sent ahead for us. And Jesus says in John chapter 14, I go to my father. I go in my father's house. There are many mansions. What's he telling us? I'm going before you. I'm preparing a place for you. See, these are all great redemptive truths that are the foundation of who we are in Christ. Amen. Something back unique about Jacob. Jacob wrestled with an angel. And he wrestled with an angel. I don't know what the significance was till the sun rose, but when, in wrestling with that angel, he got hold of that angel somehow and wouldn't let go and said, I ain't letting go till you bless me. The Bible says that angel smote him in the hip. That's why in Jewish tradition, people that walk with that lip, they accredit that back to the, the, the curse of, that, that curse that happened then. A weakness in that hip. But in that encounter, what was the blessing? Do you remember? God changed his name, just like he did for Abraham. And he was no longer a deceiver. He was now Israel. <laughs> Amen. You say, what do you mean? That's the ability of God to change who you are. Then as, then as time progressed, now we could go back into and look in depth at the deliverance of, of Israel out of Egypt, there was a 400-year period in which there was really not much going on in the kingdom, in anything, except in the nation of Egypt, over in a region of Egypt called Goshen, there was a nation beginning to grow. That family uh, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob began to grow. The provision that Joseph had made and the favor that God had given him in that nation began to cause them to, to have abundance and blessing. Then the Bible says this, time passed until there was a Pharaoh that knew not, that knew not Joseph. And when that happened, they began to look around and said, hey, we got a great source of free labor here. And they put Israel under what the Bible calls the taskmasters, which is a type of sin. And they put them into a lifestyle of bondage, which is also a type of sin, in which day after day after day after day after day after day, you repeat the same weakness that does not deliver you, but further entrenches you into the problem that you have. And the Bible says their cry came up to the Lord. And as God promised Abraham after 400 years, he rose up a prophet as 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 uh, as Moses described himself, a prophet that would be like unto him or like unto Jesus. All of those plagues that came upon Egypt was the judgment of God against their demon gods, every single one of them, from the flies to the frogs until it came to the last one. Now, how's my time? Oh, I'm doing good. And I'm not rambling as bad, Amen. <laughs> We have gone, and we talked about this when we began, because, you know, this is, a, this is like a Bible school course I'm teaching you here. I call these the high points of the redemptive road. You can go from the word spoken in Genesis 3.15. You can go over to, to uh, uh, Seth being born 
part of the lineage of Jesus. You can go over to the, to the, to the flood. You go over to Genesis chapter 22, one of the most relig- uh, significant redemptive events in the Old Covenant where, I, where Abraham lifted the knife over Isaac. And he was willing to give his only begotten son, which released God to do. So, we, so there's another high point there. And we're, we're heading to what I call one of the pinnacle high points of the Old Covenant, which is what? Passover. Now, I want to I stay at Passover. We'll do the, the rest of tonight. You say, why? Now, think about this. The greatest religious experience Israel ever had, they did not have in Israel. Now, let me try that again. You might need to hear that tonight. The greatest, uh, let me take that word religious back. That was not a good word. Thank you, Lord. Aren't you glad the Holy Ghost is our teacher? Amen. The greatest spiritual experience they ever had was not in Israel. They didn't have it in Israel. They had it in Egypt. And as they went through these plagues, each one, the Bible says that that, uh, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. We know that the, the verbiage in the Old Covenant is permissive. That means it is allowed. It's permitted. Amen. His heart would harden. The next demon God would be judged. The heart, his heart was hard. Then it came to the last one. God instructed Moses to instruct the people to take a lamb, a spotless lamb. And he gave all of the instruction from the hyssop with great significance. It all has to do with purification to all of the things, putting it on the lentils of the doorpost, not letting it drip upon the ground. All of the different things were significance of the blood that would be shed for us. Amen. Then as Israel did what God said, ate the whole lamb, which is a type of the believer taking the entire word, all the volume of Scripture, not just what you need for healing, not just what you need for prosperity, but everything in the word of God to deal with your character, your heart, so that you can be a willing vessel in the kingdom. A vessel of gold, amen? That's what God wants. He wants to refine you and bless you. He tells them, stay in your home, stay in your house. God has a place for you. He always has a place. We know in Joshua's day, he said they abode in their camp, in their place till they were whole. God always has a place for his people. There's always a place of protection against deception. Amen. Then that night, this death angel came. And the Bible says, God spoke to him and said, when he sees the blood, he will pass over. Pass over. And he passed over Israel and landed upon Egypt. And the firstborn of every child, and I was studying it today, the Bible says this, not one household in the nation went unaffected, and their cry went up to the heavens. Could you imagine what it was like that night when Israel stood over there? Then the Bible says this, it's an unusual verbiage in in the King James. You go study other translations, it'll help you. It says, God spoke to them and said, spoil the Egyptians. Go borrow of them gold, silver, jewels. And the Bible says they spoiled the Egyptians. So they came out delivered from the bondage of slavery, a type of salvation. They came out healed. You say they did, yes. says the book of Psalms, they came out and there wasn't one feeble among. So there was a big healing revival that took place and every one of them was healed. Supernaturally, they went out. You say, well, how do you mean? It says their, their clothes did not deteriorate and their shoes did not wear on their feet. They were in a desert. There was no food. There was no Walmart. There's no Walgreens. 
But there was the cloud by day. There was the fire by night. There was manna for heaven. There was water from the rock. Amen. And God gave them everything they needed to sustain them. He brought them out with a mighty deliverance. Now, that's the next redemptive pinnacle. You say, what do you mean by that? We come to that redemptive pinnacle understanding that our salvation is our deliverance from Egypt. You say, what is Egypt? Your bondage, your pain, your hurt, your uncertainty, your hopelessness, your loneliness, everything about life that makes life miserable and horrible, God has delivered you out of that. And one of the greatest declarations on the redemptive side is over there in Colossians, where is it, 2.20, where it says, uh, no, 3.14, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. Hallelujah. Listen, he's brought us out of Egypt. Jesus has brought us out. Now, just as he brought Egypt out through that mighty deliverance and the Passover took place because of the blood, in the same way, when we come out, death passes back over us. That spiritual death is gone because of the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then they came out healed. They came out wealthy. Then God brought them to what the Bible calls the promised land. But before the promised land, there was a place of encounter. Anybody remember the place of encounter? Now, that was an awesome. There's your next redemptive peak is that encounter upon that mount. And, ah, I mean, you go read just even in the King James and use your imagination, and it must have been an awesome sight. The whole top of that mountain was covered with lightnings, thunders, uh, fire and smoke, brimstone. I mean, it was an ominous, ominous. That place was shaking. That place was, I mean, you can imagine the sound of it. It scared the fire out of the people. But it was the glory of God in the top of a mountain. And, by, and the Bible says God called Moses up there. And he called him up there to deliver what the Bible calls the law of God. Now let me help you. This is a, a redemptive truth you must understand. What we call the Ten Commandments or the law of God has not been done away with at all, in no possible way. Actually, the Ten Commandments is an affirmation of what God puts in the stony heart upon the new birth and makes it a heart of flesh. He writes it upon the table of your heart. That's why it's hard for you to sin. Amen? Now, in this awesome story, we see Moses, this prophet, go up on this mount, upon, uh, upon Sinai, upon Mount Sinai, and up on that mount, uh, uh, someone's following him, going with him. Someone named Joshua. And in Joshua, we begin to see the establishment of something that is going to begin to play out through the redemptive story, and that is the heart of a servant. Even when they came back from the mountain, the glory of God would come into the tabernacle. The Bible says that Moses would come out of the tabernacle and stand in the tent and minister unto the people, but Joshua would remain in the presence of the Lord. (laughs) 
You say, what was he doing? We see the twofold work of the Lord Jesus Christ in Moses and in Joshua in that Moses brought us out, but Joshua brings us in. That's, that's the total picture of redemption in Christ who hath delivered us from Egypt and brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. Yeah. Now, let me, let me stop here. This, this might help some of you. And that all sounds good, Pastor. I doubt if I'll remember any of it. But I, you know, I really need for you to teach on healing and, or prosperity or deliverance. or Well, when you do need-based ministry, and I'm not against that. I teach on healing. You know, last Sunday night we taught we're teaching on healing. Y'all know I teach on all those subjects. But this is the subject that if you don't have this foundation in your heart, the other ones aren't going to work very well for you. Because you've got to understand everything about who you were, who you are now, why you were the way you were, and why you are the way you are now. Did you get that? And that's all wrapped up in the redemptive picture. If you don't understand that, you don't understand anything about your identity. You're going to still look at yourself as a male or a female, either as black, white, Hispanic, Asian, whatever. You're going to still see yourself in the, in, the, in the dim darkness of the flesh of the mind instead of the light of the spirit. This is all spiritual things that God is doing. And here's the thing. We're at the end of one of the most exciting dispensations ever upon the earth and we get to, we are privileged to live in the end of it. But when you go study what the end of it means, it means most of the people who we enjoyed fellowship with a long time ago don't even care about it. But here we are. Why are we here? I don't know. Other than an overwhelming hunger for God and the things of God in the last days so as not to be swept away by the earth and the world and all that's going on, but to be swept away by God one day. Amen. So we have this type. Now, let me close with this. The promised land. Everybody say the promised land. It is the will of God that you enter into the promised land. So, so much of Christianity for years have taught the promised land is heaven. But the promised land is not heaven. Heaven is heaven. Now, let me, let me just for a second, because we are teaching on redemption. Understand this. Healing is not for heaven. So I believe in God, I'll get to heaven, I won't be healed. Why? There's nothing there to make you sick. There is no poverty in heaven, but there is on the earth. There is sickness upon the earth. That's why God has given this covenant to us in order for not God to do something about the sickness or the poverty, us to do something about it. Well, though God was posted, he already did it. Now he rests in that, and we rest in that. Amen? You say, what do you mean rest in that? We rest in the truth or the reality that everything God has done, he has already finished, and we're enjoying kind of the last bits of this dispensation, and we're fixing to enter into a dispensation that's glorious beyond your imagination. You say, well, you really believe we're that close? I believe we are. But all of these players... Hebrews 11 speaks of them. It says, These all died in faith, having not yet received the promise, but saw it 
afar off and embraced it. Do you know what that means? That word embrace, that's a very weak word. Uh, there's, better, there's better translations, better words, but it's, it, it's literally saying this. They saw it afar off and lived as if it was present in them. And because of that, they slew giants, had their dead delivered back, saw provision, raised up nations. I mean, all that that they did, they did by faith, saying, it's coming, and if he told us it's coming, it's as good as it being here, so we'll even die in faith. But now here we are on the other side, enjoying the full benefit of what God's given us in Christ for this dispensation. We have the earnest money contract in the Spirit of God that abides and empowers. We have proof our sins are forgiven. Remember that? What is that? The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the most celebrated event on the earth. More money spent at Christmas and Easter than any other time. It dwarfs every other holiday. Whether they know it or not, they're celebrating Jesus. Well, I heard it was some pagan holiday. Well, you heard wrong. Amen? You heard wrong. So here we are. At the end of the acceptable year of the Lord, at a time in which these redemptive truths need to be the strongest in the believer's hearts, where we begin to understand our spiritual heritage all the way back to Abraham, all the way back to Seth, all the way back to Adam and the woman, and we begin to understand, oh, now that's why Jesus, oh, that's, now I understand who I am, what I have, what, God, what I can do in Christ. You understand these foundational realities, then God begins to stack faith on top of that. And as we get further into the New Testament and begin to study the basic doctrines of Christ and see that faith toward God is a basic doctrine of Christ, we'll see that operational faith is one of the greatest blessings of this dispensation. You say, what do you mean by operational faith? Faith in which you can go and you have a problem in your life and you open up this book and you find scripture and you have faith come and you pray that prayer and you stand on that word and you see God deliver you. That's operational faith. You choose to receive it. Not God looking up in heaven, spinning some big wheel. You hoping your name will get come up on that wheel so they can make a movie about your miracle. You say, you sound cynical. Well, that kind of stuff I am. Because God wants you to live supernaturally blessed so that the blessings of God in your life will be a blessing to other people. Isn't that good? You know, he has stamped us like a coin. Amen? I mean, we have an indelible, indelible stamp upon our spirit, man, on the inside. I like how the, how the Word of God describes it. Christ in us the hope of glory. <laughs> Hallelujah. Lift your hands and thank Him. Oh, just thank Him. Hallelujah. Just take a moment and just thank Him. We thank You, Lord. We thank You, Lord. We worship Your holy name. Oh, You're glory and righteous. Thank You, Father. Oh, thank You, Lord. I'll do that. Let me finish that one thought I didn't do. I don't want to leave it hanging. Your promised land. Your promised land. Salvation. Baptism in the Holy Ghost, God's healing power, God's ability to prosper you, His deliverance, His righteousness, 
his peace, his joy, his rest, his rest, amen, his compassion, his mercy, his grace. We enter in. We enter in. And the more we enter in, the better it gets. What's that one worship song we sing where it keeps getting better? Keeps on getting better. So how can it keep on getting better? Keep moving. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. It does. It just keeps getting better. Keep, well, well, I, well, I stumped my toe. That's all right. Just keep moving forward. It gets better. <laughs> well, I scratched my knee. That's all right. Keep moving forward. It just, it just keeps getting better. Hallelujah. Remember this time last year what you were facing. Most of you don't even remember it, do you? Some of you do because it was traumatic. But now look where you are this year. And then now next year you can look and say, look what the Lord has done. Amen. Praise God. Stand on your feet. Hallelujah. Father, we bless your name. Thank you for your word. Thank you that the entrance of your word brings light and light to us that forever, O oh Lord, forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Oh, we thank you. Thank you, Father, for what you did for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for what you did for Joseph, for Moses and Joshua, for all the patriarchs, the judges, the kings, the prophets that dared to believe you. In a covenant so dangerous that judgment was involved. But oh, they paved the way so the seed of God could come. And he made a way where there seemed to be no way. And the cry of that old covenant that there would be a daysman, an umpire, a go-between. Lord, as your word says, one that would put his hand upon God and his hand upon man. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We claim your word. You are the living word of God. We claim our protection, our safety. We claim our deliverance from all the crazy things going on, on this earth, the diseases, the sickness, the pain, the heartache. Father, we're going another direction. Thank you, Lord. In our travels, in the righteous labor of our hands, and all we put our hand to, we thank you that we prosper. Stir our hearts with the fire of evangelism. Spirit of God, we give you permission to light off in our hearts revival fires that we might be a blessing to people in answer to their prayers, a problem to the devil. Lord, as we leave tonight, we walk in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. We leave walking in love one toward another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.